0: and like i've i've been in some like toxic fandoms and here's the thing like maybe when i was younger i'd have like the space for it but i'm like old and decrepit and my back is like <laughs> Like my sciatica is acting up just thinking about it. Okay, like I don't want to be a part of something that's gonna cause me stress. Like life's already stressful enough as it is. I don't need like. I served fam.
1: my time as a Super Hulak fan in 2012.
0: Oh, oh, we have served our time as Super Hulak fans. I'm still serving time as a Super Hulak <laughs> no, fan. Like not what the fuck? In the fuck? military,
1: now I'm serving time. I'm in jail because I was
0: a Super Hulak <sighs> fan. <laughs> I think it's a little (laughs) bit of both. Um, I'm serving time in jail for my war crimes.
2: Everybody, I'm Pax, and this is Brotakus, the show where we let you know that the new Inuyasha has major Rugrats all grown up vibes, and not in a good way. We're hot nerds who love doing. <laughs> We're hot nerds who love anime and love doing a deep dive on what is and isn't worth watching. We believe you don't need a major in anime studies to enjoy this wild, beautiful, and strange art form, and we are so lucky to have you on this journey with us. A freestyle and intros today because these two loves of my life are well known to me. Two returning Brotakus legends. We have K, aka Obey One, K Nobey. The Twitter handle will be in the dis, in the description. Uh, K, brilliant uh, linguist, scholar, brain genius, just hot take haver, was on our Demon Slayer episode and in our Inu Ya not, not Inu Yu Yu Hakusho show episodes. Excuse me, excuse me, and then coming back. Is this really your first time since Hunter Hunter Emily coming back on the pod? Yes. Yes, it so is. So not since our legendary Hunter Hunter concept episode has Emily made it back on Brotakus, which is ridiculous because this is long overdue. Uh today we are talking about the the mythical legendary longly awaited. <laughs> What's wrong in my brain? Not longly awaited. <laughs> the longly the longly awaited. It's so longly. <laughs> longly awaited. This is a fucking disaster. I'm going to make this so clean in editing.
0: I'm sorry. I'm like still hung up on that first Inuyasha bit. That like, it will As it will
1: haunt me. I wasn't allowed to watch Rugrats because my mom thought Angelica was too much of a bitch. I don't get the joke, but I appreciate it. <laughs>
2: here's the thing i haven't seen the new inuyasha thing i hadn't seen the new inuyasha thing but i've heard the discourse around it I, that's the yeah. same boat that i'm in they did my man to dirty i'm sorry lord
0: respect the title um all i heard was that they did him dirty and i was like i can't do it i'm gonna leave it where it's at koga's hot Fuck we'll yeah. leave it where it's at not everyone needs like not everyone needs to pull a boruto
2: Anyway, we got Emily and Kay on the podcast today. You could get all their social media handles in the description to Returning Champions. And Emily, we are here to talk about what today?
1: Uh, The new Amazon Prime Aminated Aminated show. I'm sticking with it. Uh, The Legend of Vox Machina.
2: I think it's because they couldn't afford animation during some of these scenes so they had to go for amination yes, <laughs> just... oh god okay critters if you found the show if you're listening to this there's a lot to like about this we're not roasting this please please don't dox me <laughs> do I need
1: to go get my uh, beauregard notebook to prove myself to you people <laughs>
2: yeah yeah please please remember that you're known as the healthiest and most normal fan base in uh fandom for a reason and you need to strive to maintain that healthy and normal discourse the the maybe
1: more healthy and normal <laughs> my hero Academia.
2: <laughs> extremely true extremely based and true okay as more of like a critical role outsider what is your understanding of um uh, could, could you kind of give me like what you understand critical role to be and its place in the broader like discourse that you are a part of?
0: A bunch of some of the most famous, most talented, most well-distinguished voice actors that I grew up with got together because they're all a bunch of nerds and played D&D. And then they decided, hey, this is good shit and we're going to stream it. And they streamed to all of the other people of the world and then the people of the world were like hey this shit fucking rocks and then it got a huge cult following (laughs) because literally all of their faves who've ever voiced anything that they were ever in matthew mercer as a storytelling like connoisseur or whatever the fuck is just so good everyone's like this this shit fucking slaps and was on it and uh they got super fucking huge and kind of like grew into this insane do i want to say like cultural power i don't know if that's like the right Mm. term i want to say but like as far as um bringing tabletop rpgs into like more mainstream i think they had a huge role in helping that not that like I feel like tabletop RPGs in general have gotten, like, a lot more accessible over the years and, like, are a lot more popular than they used to be. But I feel like also Critical Role helped push tabletop RPGs, specifically Dungeons & Dragons, into the forefront, made it a little more accessible for folks to, you know, play or, like, see how play is and, like, not be intimidated Mm. and, like you know get to enjoy their favorite actors um act in something that's totally their own that they weren't like contracted to do or whatever like it started out as like friends having fun playing a game and i think that's was a super huge draw to it and that's
2: yeah yeah absolutely and then
0: nonsense happened (laughs) that's like where and and that's where i'm at
2: Yeah, I, I think I, I and Emily, let me know if I'm off here as the expert. I think that like Critical Role, Adventure Zone and Stranger Things were kind of responsible for getting like three distinct types of nerds back into like the D&D resurgence. And they all kind of like contributed to this brand new wave of like, holy shit, everybody and their their uncle is playing tabletop games again. Would, would you say that that's ac- accurate?
1: Uh, that is absolutely accurate. Um, It's yeah, Critical Role. Really, like, got that, like, long form of, like, showing people what it is like, like, playing along kind of thing of of a game. The Adventure Zone is different because um, it's they were a little bit more focused on putting out a product As opposed to Critical Role which was just streaming their game So whereas Critical Role Will do, will not edit their things Um The Adventure Zone has like Been like actually we don't like that decision We made and gone back and re-recorded And stuff like mm. that And and then obviously With the thing with Stranger Things And bringing that up and the fact that they all happened So close in time to one another I right. think really Um Brought that up, and I think one thing that's important to note about all of these things is that they are all um, uh, properties that were created or pushed forward by people or things that already had huge followings. So CR was put on Geek and Sundry, which was already like an established like nerd channel and had a bunch of established voice actors, especially in like the video game and anime dubbing community. Um, <clears throat> uh, the Adventure Zone was built on top of years of the McElroys hosting My Brother, My Brother and Me in that podcast. And the actually the first episode of The Adventure Zone was an episode of My Brother, My Brother and Me. That they were like, hey, fun, different bonus episode that we recorded to put out when there's a week that we can't record, we'll play D&D. And then they ended up moving on with it. Um, And then, you know, Stranger Things, it's a Netflix show. And this was Mm -hmm. back when Netflix was still in that um, uh, area where they were trying to build their library, but they were still trying to go for quality over quantity. (laughs) So mm-hmm. people were still like, oh, yeah, Netflix shows, whereas now you're like, oh, yeah, Netflix shows.
2: <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like what, what Brotakus has done for anime, uh, Critical Role has done for tabletop games. For sure. Uh, yes, sense. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, except Brotakus, it's not like your fave voice actors, it's all your problematic faves like we have on Orion Akaba and like Vince Minonia, we got like Kevin Spacey coming on next week We got like <laughs> Gotta imagine <laughs> the villi- the villains of the acting sphere oh like, Lu- Louis, Louis C.K. is a balding paladin <laughs> like, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> It's like It's like Louis, please stop doing a Chinese <laughs> voice for (laughs) your white (laughs)
1: paladin It's
2: like why it's funny now you're doing a gay thing Louis please stop (laughs) Louis put it away Louis put it away zip up zip it up Louis put it away (laughs) anyway uh, speaking of zipping it up I'm zipping up my mouth on that topic and segueing (laughs) into a different one which is that uh, we're not here to talk about the broad concept of tabletop RPGs we're here to talk about a specific product that has been released a new uh (gasps) a new animation that is sweeping the Crit Nation. Emily, today we're talking about the legend of Vox Machina. How did this thing get made? What is the the story behind why we're talking about this today? Oh,
1: boy. There's so much information, um, and I'm going to try and keep it short. Um, Okay, hell yeah, hell yeah. uh, Kay's already described what Critical Role is, so I'm not going to go into, like, their whole history of becoming a company and stuff because that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, But in... So fans of Critical Role have actually been pushing for some sort of like animated uh, version of the first campaign for a long time. Like in preparation for this episode recording, I was rewatching some of the streams of the episodes that the first season is based on. And like literally in the um, comment in like the Twitch chat, which way back then they had on the screen, um, you can see people being like, why is there not a Critical Role movie yet? And this is like episode 29. And I mm. guarantee you it's in the chat pre-episode 29. Like people have been clamoring for this for years. And and they have so much merch. So many like original things. Like they have uh, Vox Machina origin comics. They have Mighty Nine origin comics, which is their second campaign. They have... A straight up novel about Vex and Vax called Kith and Kin. Like, there's so much like push from the fandom for this like merch and these stories, and which is not surprising because, as was revealed with that Twitch leak, they are the highest paid Twitch channel. They're the highest earning Mm, Twitch channel. Period.
0: Um, All the fans are basically like that meme of Fry from Futurama saying, take my money!
1: Literally. They literally are. (laughs) So, um... On uh, February 21st in 2019, and I did, I was actually able to go back and find the stream of this because I was looking at the history of CR and someone was like, so on this day, their campaign launched. And I was like, I'm pretty sure they announced it on stream before it launched. Like, I remember that happening and I was right um, so on February 21st 2019 Critical Role posted an image of like a cipher in like a fake fantasy language as far as I know it was a fake language it didn't look like any existing fantasy language to me but I am not an encyclopedia um, they posted it on their Twitter and on their Facebook and before the episode even aired later that day people had already solved it and mm-hmm. it was help us animate Vox Machina and they launched their Kickstarter in March of 2019 uh, to fund a single 22 minute animated special of mm. a an original story that was supposed to like be put into canon pre-stream so that obviously is not what happened um, it had they had 45 days to reach their budget of $750,000 <laughs> they raised over a million dollars in an hour <laughs> <laughs> literally an hour uh by the end of and so
2: year, so uh, yeah but well by the end of the whole thing how, how much did they raise? um
1: uh well first by the end of the first day they'd literally blown through all of their announced stretch goals and mm. had raised over four million dollars in just the first day by the end of it they had gotten to all of their later announced stretch goals and raised Oh my god With 88,887 Backers It is One of the fastest Fully funded kickstarters ever It is not the fastest but one of the fastest It is the highest funded Kickstarter for a TV or film project Ever And the 6th highest funded Kickstarter. Period.
2: Woo, baby. Okay, that's that's nuts. That's <laughs> nuts. And so so where it goes from here, if I'm not mistaken, is that they wind up partnering with Amazon rather than like – Yes. So, so with Amazon and like Titmouse, who were the people who created Castlevania and some other uh, popular shows yes. for – two full seasons they've been confirmed for, right?
1: Yes, so so they were originally partnered with Titmouse, and the reason they did this Kickstarter is because there wasn't an animation, like, production studio who was willing to take the risk on this. Uh. Wild considering the, but I mean the Kickstarter then showed why animation studios should be willing to take a risk on this. And so yeah. that's why, um, Amazon commit, uh, uh, picked up the first season and added on two more episodes. Originally it was going to be a 10 episode season and Amazon said, let's round it out to 12. So it's the two, um, pre-stream stories and then episodes three through 12 are the Briarwood arc and a second season that is also 12 episodes. And um, the people who kickstarted were still confirmed, like given access to the first season outside of Amazon Prime. Um, but then the second season is going to be straight through Amazon Prime Video.
2: Okay, sick, 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 sick. And so here we are, and this thing is actually released. This thing was not a bamboozle. It was not like every other Kickstarter <laughs> where it was not like uh, Brian a-
1: Acaba's it- Kickstarter.
2: <laughs> Yeah, there's just so many funny little details with Critical Role, and so um, Emily, I'm glad we have you on as like the um, the 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 uh, least annoying critter. <laughs> <laughs> and listen i'm gonna be i'm gonna put on my tank stance here i'm gonna activate my tank stance for increased enmity generation to protect my uh, dps and healer and and k as you stand behind my shield i take credit for everything Kay's about to say what's your understanding of the critical role fandom like why why are we because the thing is for people who don't understand why we're speaking and giggling like this like they must think what the f- what are you talking about what's what's going on what is going on Kay? so like here's
0: the thing that i I think that especially people who are viewing this and like don't see my fucking face i need to make it clear i'm a person of color uh so Mm. i also take a stance on things that like if i hear wind of like any racialized nonsense like i'm fucking like i'm out like i don't have the time i don't got the mental capacity to like deal with some nonsense sometimes like i will make exceptions for like under a similar vein, like Tolkien stuff right now that's happening with mm. all of that, again, Amazon stuff. You know, Tol- Tolkien is being like really racialized. You got a lot of fucking weirdos coming out of the woodwork being like, there are no black people in Middle Earth. And I'm like, okay, literally fuck yourself. Um, Lord of the Rings belongs to folks of color and the gays. Middle so like, GTFO. You <laughs> supposed to be my He's heaven. You supposed to be my you know heaven. <laughs> heaven. Get out. And I'm like, oh my god, shut the <laughs> fuck up. Like, literally. Like, I think it's time for the urn, babe. Like, you gotta go, okay? Um, so... So, I've heard some wind, and I've seen other creators, and other creators of color get, like, fucking doxxed for criticisms that they had um more so now with this third campaign that they're in um but also a little bit with the first you know there's a lot of misogyny apparently with the first campaign with Healers, if i'm not mistaken which some people now are like the amazon the vox machina the show is like giving her justice and I can't speak on that because I don't fucking know but um I can and I will at a later moment oh please okay so fucking pin in that um and so you know I've seen a lot of creators of color you know give their criticism rightly so about you know fantasy spaces and using Ethnic imagery or like design or like places and storytelling and like what you did wrong and how you can improve. And like there like it's constructive criticism. And also as people of color, you're putting yourself out into a space, taking a risk, knowing that you're probably not going to be safe um, doing so. Um, but doing it in with the idea of like, I'm going to call these people in because I believe these people are good people and we'll take this criticism and we'll learn from it and what mm. then happens is that they take these criticisms give this information basically educate in good faith and then what they get is the fandom being like if you say anything bad about critical role I swear to God, I will kill you and your family. And, like, the... the,
1: If this this phrase weaponized one more
0: time, I think I will shoot myself. And that's... Well, that's the other... Don't forget to love
2: each other is the phrase that Emily's holding up. And
0: and that's the thing, though, is um, which, you know, for the fandom is one thing, but also um, Critical Role as a company hasn't spoken out about it. And so, like... What rings really hollow is the don't forget to love each other because like if the people who are in charge are not still, you know, abiding to that or holding that as their truth, like you have your little fandom running rampant. But like our neo Nazis is really like the thing that you want to pride yourself on. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. So yeah. like which has been a big barrier for me to like get into critical role more as i because like full disclosure i am a southeast asian person i'm indonesian specifically so like i am a very underrepresented minority and to see my fellow underrepresented minorities be treated so carelessly is like it's not the vibe that i'm going for there's so much content out in the world right now that like i don't have to put up with nonsense if i don't want to and that's my prerogative.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Okay. And, and again, to give a quick plug yeah. to, um, a great podcast out there, the Asians represent podcast. They're specifically about Asian representation in TTRPGs. There's a uh, with, with DM Steve and then the other folks on the podcast. Great folk out there. And the critical role I, again, I'm sure that there's like a big normal part of the, uh, of, of like the critical role fandom, like of the bell curve that is like normal folk able to like deal with the discourse and do that. But it's just because of how, how social media amplifies the things it's like on on one end it's the people being like never ever point out to me that the entire cast of Critical Role is white people and how that's this kind of like irreconcilable weird Um, part of it.
1: It's a friends stream they're just
0: friends I don't know why you're trying to put your agenda on (laughs) Oh my god it like cracks me up though when I see people like say that though because I'm like what about all they like black friends and like other colored friends that they have that they can't like Pull on to the show, or like rotate the cast, or whatever, because like they're a company now. So I mean, like it's they're they're in a very different place than they were originally, mm-hmm. which is just friends playing D D at their home table, and now their table mm-hmm. is on a world
2: scale or whatever. Like, and they they bring. And they bring on a ton of guest stars and they they, they try to make most and of a, them. People and the guest star is not a permanent place. Issue.
0: Yeah. A guest star isn't a permanent yeah. place. It's not, you know, a permanent voice. It's not like you're it's not a permanent token voice of color. So like does it really matter in the long yeah. run?
2: and it also limits what types of stories you can delve into too, as a dm like if you're if you're a white dm DMing for like a all white crowd and it's like almost by nature you're only going to feel as you probably should comfortable dealing in like the same old fantasy tropes again and again and again cuz it it's it would be fucking weird for you to be like we're going to schmapan now, <laughs> the, the continent of shmepan um it's it's just this irreconcilable thing where like go out there meet different people diversify your friend group and table and shit like that yeah they um, haven't
0: done and it, they haven't done diversified their assets in a meaningful way that like makes me want to jump and be like you know what sins are forgiven and you've learned like are yeah. they're yeah. just not there yet and i'm hoping that they'll get there
1: there is this issue that they come up against of their table is already too large for most dms mm. i would never dm a party of seven people yeah the fact that that originally they were 8 is insane on one hand, you have the option of adding at most one, maybe two players of color, and then that would be a huge table that is difficult to manage. Um Then you could get into things like, well, maybe add another DM, but that's just too much to think about in, in another tangent that I will not let myself go on. Um On the other hand, you then have losing of some of the original players, which I think would while potentially viable and potentially a, a show of good faith, I think would leave a lot of the original fandom who have fallen in love with, with these players and their playstyle and their characters would feel, leave a lot of them feeling, uh, misplaced and like, what, why is that happening? And so it looked like critical role was going to start pushing for, um, new regular programming that was going to let more and more voices come in. And then a pandemic hit solving the issue of more um, diversity at the table is something that should be simple. But when you come up against such a vocal and um, such a vocal fandom that has very strong what is that a a very strong parasocial relationship with each of these creators you come up into more problems
2: so yeah uh discourse around critical role is generally exhausting on one end you have people uh shutting down criticism of uh people of color who uh they just can't imagine why the show would just not be particularly interesting to have a cast of old, all like white people in their like late forties who've been doing voice acting forever. Or, like why some people are not like, yo, what? That sounds fucking amazing, dude. Let me get at that. And I'm kind of <laughs> one of them. I'm not someone where like critical role has ever bitten me that crazy. And then the other half of the discourse is like very exhausting social media, um, flaming of people like directly messaging like the DM and player being like, if you don't canonize this, if you don't canonize my favorite character as demisexual, as my fan theory. Clearly lays out you're gonna you're doing violence to me <laughs> and like which which is similarly exhausting on a different end of the the belt we, no. we will get doxed. Yeah, I would rather. <laughs> but um, all of this is to say that at its core, why do people love Critical Role? There's some fantastic improv, some really impressive voices. There is some uh, great narration by the DM. But does that translate into a animated series? So, Kay, bringing us into the Legend of Vox Machina, the animated series. How would you describe it? What is the what is the pitch to people who have not seen this show? How do how do you how do you explain it to them?
0: Maybe baby's first intro into like D and D, especially folks who have like really who have difficulties visualizing what happens in a tabletop mm. rpg you know like people who like i like i can't understand sitting at a table and telling a story and it's like okay but like this is the type of story yeah. telling and yep. like showing them that because i really like The idea that the show brings this visual aspect and like, you know, can bring it to a huge fantastical level on the sense that like, you know, they're bound by the limitations of animation. So basically you can they can do whatever. Like I personally like really liked how the silence spell, how they did that, because that looks and feels so much more interesting animated than it actually does, like as a player having to go through the motions and having to go through like combat turns. Like for me, as a tabletop RPG player, combat to me is like kind of, kind of boring. But like the roleplay aspect and like being able to make those parts much more streamlined seems like makes everything a lot more fun and less like game lawyer like mechanics lawyering or whatever that sometimes people get into or like get scared by absolutely
2: absolutely and so we got the adventuring group of uh eight is that the number eight total adventurers um I didn't count
1: seven it's it's seven um Oh right, yo! For oh the my show, god! We're just gonna yo. go. Okay, ride. so is, let me, okay. Let me just lay course. out the
2: adventure. Is this someone who's mostly ignorant of this? So there is Vax. There's Vax Illidan. The and then there's Vex Illidan. The two okay. twin. The, the two. The two. The, the, the two. <laughs> elf <laughs> Twins. <laughs> they, love the who, they love each other, but they don't have sex with each other. Even though a lot of their lines are pointing that way, they're just no. They love each other in a different way. It's not anime like. That a- American anime is too cowardly to go there right now, and so and, and so no, it's not like that. It's not like that. Um, so there's vexillidan and there's then there's Vaxolio, then there's Scanlin Short, then there's Scanlin the Shortman, who is a little gnome who plays the guitar and uh, raps about his penis and ha- and ha- canonically has gonorrhea. Then there is um Keyleth ki- uh, Keyleth of the the Avatars, who is a druid who can summon the air. And has horns and a and a, a huge anxiety disorder. She can't stop screaming and crying. Very relatable to me. Then there he is yeah. Grog. There's Grog. There's Groggity Grog. Groggity Grog is eight feet tall. He loves ravaging and murdering. He's extremely violent. He has a developmental problem. He just didn't learn how to read ever. But he's a really cool guy. He's really he's really sweetheart. And then there is um, there's uh, Percival von Ro- Roblox of Musil Hall the 14th who is the white-haired like OC anime character of my <laughs> dreams he's, he's too Yo, cool it's for Glenn. Percy
0: Uchiha okay <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs>
1: He and, is Percy Uchia. Okay, yeah. I, I was practice, talking to my friend about correct. it
0: who <laughs> likes critical role, and I was like, this is a character I would have come up with in middle uh-huh. school and yep, I like yep. it.
2: And Percy's too cool <laughs> for one set of glasses, so he's like eighty sets stacked on top of each other. He's got like magnifying eyes. Um because it's even edgier. And then there's Pike uh there's Pike Trick. Trickfeet, who is this small cleric of God, of of light, of the sun. (laughs) The Christian God. The Christian God. (laughs) Who, uh, in the last three episodes, is animated in the style of, like, a Scooby-Doo movie original character and who does, like, shoop-da-whoop light blasts out of her face for a reason that is not backed up by rules as written, but is sick as fuck anyway. (laughs) Um, And that is our party, but there was one other party that originally a guy named Orion Akava who is not in the show because he fucking owned himself. He had a falling out with the critical role people cuz he was such a dick and everybody <laughs> hated him and he kept n- there was this weird part when like um like Laura's describing like a plan and he's like my character has a half chub. My character's half. red, <laughs> And everybody at the t- <laughs> No, literally
1: okay. So that's the kind of joke that like, Sam would have made in character as Scanlon because but yeah. in, in incredibly different context and also Sam is not a piece of shit. <laughs> who everyone hates. And yeah. so he clearly just, just made a huge everyone dick, but he uncomfortable. played himself
2: because he canonically, <laughs> his character, who was like Thanos out of existence after like the fourth or or after like the whatever, third crit arc, whatever. There were like 30 episodes in or some shit. Um, he then got so bitter after crit roll ended that he's like, oh, you can't. I'm going to make my own OC. I own him and I own the intellectual rights to Tiberius Shmirius and Tiberius Shmirius. I'm going to create a whole podcast thing called Draconian Nights where he's the Hero, and his parents are half angel half demon and he's got the longest dick everyone anyone's ever seen and the tightest pussy he's got the gorilla grip baby he's God and he's also the best character ever and so he creates all this OC shit and it all crashes and burns his like his, his fucking like Kickstarter falls to the ground everything explodes everyone fucking hates Orion <laughs> and then he can't be he, he legally can't be a part of the show because in asserting his own copyright over the character they don't have have the fucking rights for it. They don't have the right to include him. And so he played himself so hard where like he literally can't even be a part of it because he's like no, he's mine. He's my dragon boy. Um so big L there, but we're we're left with our other adventurers and it's a, it's a pretty dope time, right?
1: Wow. Y- yeah. Yeah. O- Orion's a fucking trip. It's you y- you we'll like watch the old streams and like see people in comments being like damn orion's really messing up with like the flow and you're like i don't know what you're talking about and then you watch the first episode um, without orion and you go
2: okay. oh. <laughs> anyway we're talking about Vox Machina. so the rest of the adventurers are left and what is like okay what's like the general vibe on these people um to begin with like the the, the tone of the show how are they like getting along
0: I'm thinking of, like, the first few episodes, which I know are not the strongest in the
2: series, Mm -hmm.
0: but it really sets the tone for, like, this is an adult fantasy show. It's giving, you know what, it's pulling, like, late night adult swim, something I'd see in, like, 2011, I'd be up too late, and it's kind of... It it's giving me that. Like the like we're intent we're swearing a lot, there's a lot of like blood and gore, a little bit kind of like animated Game of Thronesy in a way, but also like way more Mm lighthearted than Game of Thrones. Um it's it kind of I'm gonna get like doxxed for this. But like kind of like knockoff Castlevania is kind of the vibe. Like great value brand Castlevania is what the vibe is kind of giving me, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Fucking love Castlevania, but like all like lighthearted bit and like Not giving me like Waffalo, like we're all friends, friends love each other, like there's some tension, but like we're we're here, we're thrown into it. And at first I was like, why don't I know more about these people? Like in episodes one and two, I'm expecting a little more backstory. Apparently, that's how the podcast started is right in the middle of their own tabletop game. So I'm like, well, I guess it's nice to have that equal confusion of what the fuck is happening.
2: Well, that's a literary technique called In Medias Ross. Uh Kay, I don't know if you've heard about language <laughs> before, but it's actually a very popular literary technique. I I'm explaining this because Kay's a linguist. <laughs> 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 so if you don't like it, shut up! If you're mad that they introduced only two new black people in the show, who you get to see for a total of three minutes of screen time, shut up! I can't stop crying and shitting and pissing myself. If you criticize Vox know I swear to God, I'll kill myself and then you. Stop it, Kay. Stop it. <laughs> uh, so... Emily, in terms of how this felt as a crit fan to experience Vox Machina animated, what was it like for you?
1: Um, I honestly think that the first two episodes just had to do so much heavy lifting. You have to introduce the characters, you have to write completely new scripts. Like you don't have the like streams to pull from because this is a pre-stream story. Um, you have to fit like what would have been like multiple game sessions into two episodes but it's necessary to do because of what's going to come in season two and and you also have to do all the heavy lifting of introducing the characters and what they're about and what they were like before they started changing so that you can get the arcs of them changing and it's just so much heavy lifting In a Okay written Two episodes (laughs) I think the first
2: two episodes were great Scanlon did a hip hop rap Uh, There was a non-binary minotaur um, And they Went pee pee on on people And they had sex Um, On
1: Matthew Mercer (laughs) On the actual (laughs) in like yeah. every episode there is one npc who is designed to look like Matt Mercer <laughs> in every mm-hmm. episode
2: <laughs> so K- K, do you think do you feel like this gets this gets better over time as we're thinking about a uh, a story setting what it is to consume this Wh- what do you think
0: i think it definitely gets better over time like i feel like they start figuring out like the pace they want to make maybe like They figured out more of, like, what we're taking from the original streams, what's going to work for animation, what's going to be the best for animating, too, and, like, what we're leaving out. And I feel like they started to get a much better flow as you go on. But for the whole thing in total, I think it's... I'm so sorry. I think it's, like, really good to, as far as... Putting something with a clear ish beginning and like a clear end goal Mm. like there's not there's no filler or like and which is good and bad for like i feel like it you know it it, it's kind of on the fence for like long-time fans that might be missing out on like some of their favorite parts some little like quippy stuff um but me as like a not fan it's like cool like here like no nonsense like here's this here's the bad guy and here's some other stuff um i am told though that pike's arc um because Ashley was filming was all added so they got to have like give her character like more of a storyline and more basically beefing of like yeah she was away but like look at all of the cool shit she was doing and I think that like that totally adds to A, my liking of this character and like, you know, giving this character screen time and like more depth. And like, hopefully I I figured I was like, oh, we'll see more from other characters in like the next seasons, because it's super hard to fit decent amounts of character development for seven or eight characters into
2: one Mm, season. That's a really good point.
0: So like it's so it's also fine for me that like. The first season is like really Percy centric bec- or like really like these few character centric because that also makes sense as like people who've like I've played other D&D games, too. And like how my DMs have done it is that, like, you know, each arc that we do something is also centric to like a single character. So, like, it it's also makes sense effect. if you're thinking about it <laughs> from like TTRPG stuff but like, I'm just a bitch with an opinion. I don't. I don't know nothing. <laughs> well,
1: I I think you made a really excellent point about the the Pike thing because for those who don't know, um, when they first started streaming, Ashley Johnson, uh, who plays the character Pike, was still um involved in the show The Blind Spot.
2: Because she's and real life famous on like like we yeah, famous like, like, like real life so, famous
1: yeah. like she has a BAFTA, <laughs> um, she's Ellie in The Last of Us, um, and uh. So she went away to New York for filming and so they couldn't have her um, in the party because you don't want to like – especially when you're going into like a town full of vampires, you don't want to bring someone's character and then – pilot them and then have them die when the player is not there so they uh left her behind in a place that doesn't exist in the show that uh to to rebuild a temple blah 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 blah. and so what they ended up transforming that into was a moment that i'm pretty if i'm not mistaken happens later in the original stream where her but i might be wrong where her holy symbol cracks because of something she does and she has to figure it out and what I like about this in the show is um, one the performance given by the actress who plays the Everlight fucking chef's kiss it was beautifully voice acted um But originally in the stream, why her uh, holy symbol cracked was because she slit a man's throat with her mace. And Matt went, that's dark for a light cleric.
0: Mm -hmm. But
1: Pike is this sort of like weird balance of kind and good and lovely and also um, a little monster. And and so um, in the show, what they end up doing is her arc is not like, hey, that's a little fucked up for a cleric of light to do. It's her internal like struggle with what she thinks a cleric of light should be and who she actually is and then the culmination of that is that the everlight is like so all of these paths are so you and all of these paths can be holy if you just fully commit to them and live with them with passion and love and light and it's like wow that's so much better than the original arc in the stream <laughs>
2: yeah and it's there are some like minor structural issues like you don't know who pike is or really care about the arc as it's happening the arc definitely is like a little fast forwarded a bit because it's you know just like "Ah, get through it get through it get through the thing Yeah, we also (laughs)
1: like don't have the moment where pike like like it's there's no moment where pike has this thing of like oh if i've been doing something wrong like it breaks and then she thinks she's done something wrong and so it's like wait so did it break because of the (laughs) so wait what (laughs) like Mm. the the setup is a little iffy.
2: Yeah. Uh, And in general, I think this points to a a kind of irreconcilable structural challenge that the show faces where in terms of the tone of balancing drama, storytelling, um, comedy, and like the decisions that you make, there's almost a built-in laugh track when you're at the table and somebody makes a comment and you immediately know like whether that's a joke that they're making in character or whether that's like a kind of a half joke they're making as a player and everybody laughs and has a good time. And there's a, a mutual impressiveness of like, oh wow, they just came up with this decision on the spot or this monologue on the Spot and it really heightens what is definitely the messier storytelling of a live improvised Dungeons and Dragons game playing a game system that is not meant to be a, a viewed storytelling thing. I mean, like, definitely, especially combat would be way different if like it was a engineered to be a viewing experience, you know what I mean, or a storytelling experience uh, with DD. And then when you translate those same beats to the show, it's like, well, a lot of those jokes no longer work because they were kind of like in character comments and the characters don't really laugh at each other very much in the show. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, ev- like everybody's laughing at the, the table together, but it's that kind of thing where, you know, this thing needs to move. These things can't just hang in the air forever. And so, you get... Uh a very different, I would say, view on some characters. For some characters like Grog, I think you get it immediately. It's like simple archetype boom, there he is. Scanlan, I'm not sure how somebody who doesn't know what he's doing with Scanlan would view it. Kay, I, th- I think you'd talk to me at one point about Scanlan. Like, how did it feel to you 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 would like mentioned that like maybe it, it it didn't play the best or or I don't know how did you as someone who hadn't seen all of like crit roll come to understand this little gnome guy making a endless string of like fuck jokes
0: I, I, I pegged him down as like oh he's just the bard that fucks like I like okay, most exact. of the like most of the characters felt very kind of stereotypical which I know that they're like Not like there's definitely more depth to them as given in like thousands of hours of like actual gameplay. But from first season, what I get is like when I said before, like babies D and like first D and D, like this is what I mean. Like you have your like cool bro, artificer, Vincent Valentine, albino wannabe. Um, you've got you know, your big dumb guy who loves to kill and drink, and you've got, like, the little fucking gnome that needs to put his dick in everything, because he's a bard and he's a player, in all sense mm. of the word, and, you know, the the paladin who wields the holy might and needs to be on the straight path of things, and then the amb- ambiguous relationship of these elves, and then, like, um, the kind of Mary Sue, but not Mary Sue, that Keyleth kind of gives for me but like that's she's
2: very powerful in this i'm glad you brought that up she's
0: super powerful and i love to see it and my whole other thing was like she's super powerful i want to know how she did it because she's also struggling Mm. with all of her like internal nonsense so it's super cool to see someone who's struggling also be one of the most powerful like characters Um,
1: yeah Um, Keelan is an interesting and sad story because I heard um, yeah she's so brilliantly played by Marisha Ray as this like young girl who has to go out and learn how to lead her people with a charisma of like eight and and she's wearing a circlet which brings it to (laughs) ten like she's not doing great Um, and Marisha played her as this like girl who's struggling with coming into her own and um and it it was
2: it it was in part a character choice because of all the actors she was by far the least experienced she was like in her 20s she was matt mercer's like girlfriend and she was at the table with like
1: youngest of the cast as well yeah
2: yeah. and so she was like a new to the industry she was i mean she had she had done things certainly but um it was like hey here are the most legendary voices among like in voice acting and then you some some girl from kentucky and, yeah. she, and, and so I think that that really informed her choice in how she played Keyleth
1: yes absolutely but because it informed how she played Keyleth a lot of people mistook it as Marisha being incompetent mm. and she was that's just special. misogyny that's
0: just, that's that's just some is, folks being foolish now all
1: the people who were like you know the Scanlan Grog super fans um, those kinds of D and D players, which I love, Scantlin and Grog, but not for the same reason these people do. Um, it's it leads to a lot of like like there are some more keyless centric episodes that just don't go in the comments section because it will ruin the episode for you. Oh. It will literally ruin the episode for mm. you of just people being like, "Gee, like, of course, Marisha did this stupid thing. Like, really, you have a high wisdom? Um, that's not the decision a high wisdom character would have made." And <sighs> then of course, oh
0: <laughs> snore, that's so sad.
1: Well, and, and what's even crazier is that, like, Laura did not get this level of hate. Because, look at the archetype Laura's playing. Something far more appealing to fucking TTRPG dude bros. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Mm-hmm. And every other member of the cast is like, <laughs> this is gross. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and when, when Marisha started playing Bo in Campaign 2, I think a lot of people... Realized that a lot of Keyleth was a an acting choice and not just her playing herself, and so it toned down a little. But like, there was a lot of Keyleth. Also, because Druid is a very difficult class to play, especially for like your first ever D anD D character. Yeah, I
0: wouldn't. So many spells,
1: so many options, just so much to do. And so Keyleth, Keyleth is such a beloved character. Like, for me and for a, a lot of other people, but the hate toward Marisha and the character of Keyleth was so vocal. It was so, like, it was so bad. Oh,
0: that's fucking nonsense that no and one should do. And so,
1: yeah, watching people love Keyleth and this and be like, I don't know, Vex is kind of mean is making me get <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like,
0: I like the 180. Girl has her time. <laughs> Um, Related, unrelated, packs. I'm going to steal the show from you for a second to ask Emily. um, So as a fan of Critical Role and as you know, and our Critical Role aficionado, are you happy with what they cut and what they decided to put in? You know, is it a good summation of what you were able to get as a fan watching the real play streams?
1: I would say yes. I I do not necessarily miss anything that they cut. Um, I am also coming from the the standpoint of someone who also like work, works at, like as an actor, works in entertainment, who do, who does theater, like recognizing that I would not want the show to be beat for beat the stream. Because there are different genres, there are different mediums, and if they were, if they did just fully translate it, it would not be good. Because <laughs> that's not how TV shows, especially animated TV shows, work. Um, it's there are little there are little character moments that I miss, and there are certain things that I think just don't read the same. Um, one of the big ones is Vax and Keyleth. It's because we don't have the 20 odd episodes before the Briarwood arc starts. You don't get the like transition of Vax and Vex really only being about themselves, like only here for each other. These other people, they're convenient. You don't get that nearly as much. And so the like growth of of Vax, how Vax feels about Keelith. And, and how Keyleth isn't sure how she feels about Vax doesn't read as well. Um, it was also a really interesting, like, reveal moment at the table because that um, the Chenga, as they renamed it like, oh, real creative, guys. They literally just changed the first sound <laughs> to a similar sound. The Chenga moment where he is um, attacked by the Briarwoods and he jumps out the thing. He's literally making death saves. He's on his final death save, and they think he's about to die.
2: Um... In Wait, what stream. is Chenga? Oh, fuck. What is Chenga?
0: So they- We're both like, what the fuck are you on right now, baby? <laughs> okay, okay,
2: okay, okay, So... I um, mean,
1: okay. like, the Chenga, the <laughs> Chenga moment, the legendary Chenga It's not <laughs> even so funny because it literally is the legendary Chenga moment. Um, and then in the show, I forgot that it doesn't leave that much of an impression. Um, Vax goes to investigate the Briarwoods and they ask for a code word for if things go to shit and Grog says chenga because in the stream it was jenga but that's a little, an intellectual property they're not allowed to use so they just said chenga <laughs> like ch instead of a j um and so Vax gets into shit and then he jumps out a window and then uses their like earrings that they use to communicate to say chenga <laughs> as he's like about to die <laughs> and they're like what <laughs> And so that fight in episode three after the feast, that's like post the Jenga moment. And Jenga actually ends up being their like code for it when things go to shit for the rest of the stream. Um,
2: I feel insane listening
1: <laughs> <laughs> to that it's, I don't even consider myself that big of a CR fan. I've just consumed so much of it. I have so much like random knowledge. Um...
2: And I got to say, listening to you and the emotional impact that this has on you, I think that this is like an important thing for us to note is that like critical role does elicit these feelings in some people because you've lived with these, ca- these characters for like hundreds and hundreds of hours and the smile stretched across your face as you recount these relationships and, and ways that this has grown. It's so sweet and it's so genuine and i think that that's one reason why i'm i'm aggravated that i've never been able to find the time to follow critical role week to week is because I see that we can joke about how the fandom is. We can joke about how things, you know, appear and, you know, what's toxic and what's not. But at the end of the day, I'm listening to you with a huge smile on my face, talking about these two characters falling in love with each other and how this adapted and what happened in, you know, episode 70 and like all of these things. And I'm like, damn, this sounds worth it. I wish I could join this, like this pantheon of crit- critical role enjoyers. And, I think the show does a decent job of giving me a taste of that. I don't know. Okay, how do you feel about that?
0: I would definitely have to agree. Like, I reciprocate your feelings basically exactly. Like, I, after talking to one of my other friends who's really into Critical Role, I was like, wow, this sounds, like, super great. And I know that it's super important to you. And, like... That's where I get a lot of my enjoyment out of things is like knowing that my friends also like a thing because I love commiserating <laughs> about things that we like. Um And I think that this show, if anything, does make me feel like I would give watching the first campaign another go. And like I would sit down because like I have now a little bit some investment in, like, these characters, like, yeah, I would watch season two when it comes out. Like, that, yeah, that seems like something I would do. I would sunk cost fallacy it, also. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, even though I, I I have been spoiled, I do know what happens. Um, but I also don't care about spoilers, so that's, like, another thing <laughs> yeah. entirely. Um, but, yeah, like, it's, it's definitely piqued my interest more. I feel like it is a really, like, I feel like animation for this is a very good like gateway drug into like oh so this is a podcast that i can listen to oh they have more campaigns other than this um i feel like it might broaden their horizons a little more Mm. even though like i know that this this was very much like a passion project for fans or at least that's how it started to be so it's cool to see that like you know, maybe people who were reluctant to put the time into watching thousands of hours of (laughs) gameplay, um... How many hours was
1: it? I think I wrote it down. Um of just like how many how fucking long just like
0: cr1 by itself i have um, like two working hours in my day where i'm like cognizant so like we gotta <laughs> like <laughs> we, we gotta limit ourselves so the animated series was very much good enough for me as someone who is not wholeheartedly invested or has already yeah. sunk in thousands of hours um, yeah. And I feel like other people might feel the same way. Like if you like fantasy stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Add, add this to your repertoire of things you can talk about at the dinner table, I guess.
2: Yeah. And I, I think it's a shame that the discourse is often so toxic because at the end of the day, I think that kind of what we're coming across is like, yeah, it's it's perfectly fine. And there's a lot of fun in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, no, like it's there's kind of it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> There's irreconcilable things that are like uh, uh, not awesome about it. Where like if you want to see you know more diverse groups of people playing, your there are like some seasons of Dimension Twenty that have done a good job at that. Mm-hmm. There are like a lot of great upstart podcasts that you could find, and then things on Twitch with with um, yeah. uh, a, a a more diverse fun smattering of players. But at the end of the yeah, at the end of the day, could we do like a quick like positives of Vox Machina thing? Because I feel like we've we've had like a lot of like what some of the the issues are in terms of like animation's good but not great, things good not great. What are the things we really liked about? Like this? it was
0: exactly what I thought I was going to get into and predictable. Mm-hmm. But like that's not. But like I say that and like some people are like, oh my god, like it's so predictable, like that's so dumb. And I'm like. But it's not like it's Mm. really nice. Like it's giving me exactly what I'm expecting it to give me. And like, I'm very content. And like, I I spent some time with my roommate. We sat down and we watched it. We had a good time. We ate ate some dinner, talked about it. We, you know, it's really fun to see... Some of the, like, D&D aspects of stuff brought into animation, like, it makes things look so much cooler, so, like, now I'm thinking as a player, like, next time I go play D&D with my friends, like, I get, I'm gonna imagine, like, this scene being, like, oh, like, that explosion is, like, so much more now, and, like, it, I... It, it it was nice it was fun it was a good time yeah. like yeah, guaranteed my- you're you're guaranteed a solid okay time at the very least yeah
1: my my dad and i watched the first three episodes he was like i want to watch that fox Machina with you and i was like <laughs> <"Yeah."> <laughs> 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 you you his favorite character is grog by the way um he has good taste he does have good taste um the i think the first point I will make, um, is just that, like, it really is an incredible voice cast. It is some of the best voice actors Mm -hmm. in the industry at the top of their game. Like, not just the main CR cast, like, it's, you have David Tennant. I'm sorry, when they announced him, I screamed. I literally screamed. (laughs) Um, That's true. Dominic Monaghan, another person I screamed. Uh, They have, like, Stephanie Beatrice, who is mostly known for, like, her work on, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but is just a genuinely, like, good voice actor. Like, her work in Mm -hmm. this and her work in Encanto are genuinely good. It's not one of those things where it's just, like, you know, oh, a big name, like, Chris Pratt playing Mario, and you're like, this doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Like, she's
1: actually good at it.
2: Timothy Chalamet is Percy.
1: (laughs) We're not talking about my vendetta against Timothy Chalamet being in everything. He's a decent actor. I'm sick of seeing him. Um... (laughs) Uh an honest Gray Griffin as
2: mm-hmm. Delilah.
1: She she fucking kills it. Literally the queen of voice acting doing a performance in a style of character that is what she does best.
2: Yeah. The, every yeah.
1: single moment of Delilah Briarwood is a delight.
2: Which is hot yeah. and mean. Hot and mean. Sexiest
1: cunt you've ever seen
2: yeah yeah uh this was pretty funny the show was funny you know like like there there were jokes where i was pretty consistently like good good joke good good (laughs) good 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 good, good construction classically executed well delivered um yeah it was funny i i laughed a decent amount at this and there's something very juvenile in seeing like two characters have an animated like middle finger like back and forth shoving it inside into each other's faces battle where i'm like all right. Yeah, I kind of I like that. That that tickles the brain in a good way. <laughs> that tickles the brain in a good way. Uh, anything else you want to shoot out here?
0: Um, I also like. I know I don't have any nostalgic value towards this show, but like knowing that other people would get that like tinge of nostalgia and like get to see like characters that they love that are beloved to them, like knowing that like also makes me happy because like I get to see my friends like see something they've anticipated for years and have wanted for years like finally come to fruition and like seeing you know regardless of what they think of it like everyone at the end of the day is like it's so great to see these characters Mm. again and to listen to the story again and I think that is absolutely wonderful
2: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely Uh, Emily anything else you wanted to throw out there or is Um, is it about quitting time
1: uh, last thing I do want to throw out is that we, we've we talked about especially with like the joke about how it's Castlevania light how like the, the animation style was not always my favorite and I think that was more of just like a, the style is not my favorite then it wasn't good but I just need to give a shout out to these background artists
0: mm-hmm. I just need to give
1: a shout out to these background and these the people who were doing the colors cause it's is so pretty the backgrounds are st- fucking stunning Every time without fail. Mm-hmm
2: extremely true extremely true show is gorgeous it's it's a lot of fun and i felt the castlevania thing too because it's also animated by titmouse and it's a show that is uh pretty flawlessly scripted you know what i mean like i i can't think script wise like what would i change about it Uh, remarkably executed um animated uh to a t it's everything like castlevania is, is very perfect in many many ways not like there's not things you couldn't criticize and this by definition is sloppy it's 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 messy and and silly and it's the product of this you know of nine hundred thousand hours of highly debated role-playing games and at the end of the day even though we had some fun goofing on some things here i cannot fucking believe it turned out as good as it did honestly. i feel for like a kickstarter project for, yeah like especially for an adaptation of this sh- it's like i feel like part
0: of the sloppiness also like adds to the charm mm.
2: Yeah, because like yeah. that
0: is like the true essence of like playing d and d at the table with your friends mm. yeah
2: absolutely like if you're not like a little
0: fucking sloppy sally then like i don't know if you're playing to your fullest (laughs) potential there bud
2: (laughs) exactly put that on my fucking tombstone
0: dude
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah uh emily i think it's pretty clear to say that like you and i would recommend this this show right as something where it's like yeah this is a good time um yeah yeah and so for this final recommendation, though, I am kind of curious, Kay, on your opinion. Like, is this something where because I, I've watched a decent number of like <laughs> clips and highlights and episodes here and there of Critical Role. Is this something that you would venture to recommend to somebody who doesn't know about Crit Role?
0: I would definitely recommend it to someone who's seen Critical Role, if not for mm-hmm. anything but the nostalgic value um, for folks who have not. Seen Critical Role. Um, if you love your friends and you don't want to invest 5,000 hours into Critical Role, I think the show is your go-to. Um, as far as like the show in general, though, I feel like, yeah, you can slap it on your docket, but like it doesn't need to be first place. Like yeah. you don't need to watch it immediately, but like if you're not pressed for anything to watch and you maybe don't know what to watch, I think you you can throw on the first few episodes and give it a try and you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Like it's not a bad time. It's not at all. Um so like if you want like I want to consume some media right now and I want to have a good time, throw this fucker <laughs> on.
2: And yeah, it'll Bru- be great. <laughs> Kay, you are brilliant. The idea that, like, this could be the gift, this could be the f- the compromise that we could make with our annoying crit roll. Films. I mean, like, low-key, yeah, high-key, that's, like, high yo, the, yo, that's really it,
0: though, because I deadass, I went to my friend who was super into critical role, you know, was even planning, like, a critical role tattoo. Like, that's how fucking deep they're in. And I'm yeah. like, okay, so I watch this fucking show, and I want to know your opinions. Um Perse Sasuke Uchiha, and they're like, okay, first, that's a personal attack on myself. In my person, (laughs) and I was like, That's because you feel so strongly because (laughs) of all of these other issues. I am a parasocial relationship
1: person. Percy Naruto runs, he does
0: the all according to Keikaku. He's perfect, okay. I'm not saying, I'm not saying nothing on him, but like, it very much is um, our the compromise that I've come up with. And you know, after talking with my friend and like. Learning a little more and like being like, oh, that's cool. They're like, you know what? Like, I'll throw some of my favorite episodes together and we can like watch the highlight reel of what they like. And then I don't have to fucking do <laughs> the work because I'm a lazy <laughs> bitch and I have no fucking time.
2: <laughs> Bro, it's like you could watch all of Vox Machina in like ha- the time it takes. Uh, you could, in all, all you could of watch the all of series. Vox Machina the time in a day. Ta- well, I was going to say in the time it takes to watch like one Episode uh, yeah. of Critical Role, yeah. you mean so. one like literally four-hour literally episode. You can watch all this goddamn show, and it's like it's fine fu- It's like okay, great, congratulations, Matthew Mercer, congratulations everybody. Critical Role is inevitable. We don't have any <laughs> excuse not to indulge in it a little bit. But the fact that I do now have the excuse to be like, I did spend four hours, and I've seen all of Legend of Run. <laughs> <I laughs> <of laughs> oh, sure, Critical Role, yes. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, when you get into it with a Critical Role fan, you can't fucking stop them. They no. will not. They are the juggernaut. You cannot be like oh actually no i haven't seen it they'll saying no i haven't seen it is opens just a reason up for so a many doors yeah. of like okay <laughs> well let me tell you about it though they're like, fucking, yeah
0: i'm on the like bottom <laughs> yes <spectrum>. yes, <laughs> yes. And, but like Least yeah, annoying I, fan. but i love <laughs> hearing people talk about what they're passionate about Yes, so me it's too. finally me too. great to like have something that I can understand like having like it's great to finally have context in a way that's more accessible to me as a person. yeah mm.
2: yeah. The, the, the version of like oh I didn't read the books but I saw the movie yes. you know what I mean
0: yes, that's, that, that's it yeah. that's exactly <laughs> what it is <laughs> oh, God. and
2: because of the intensity of like the, the what it means to the fans none of the fans are like oh it's not like you gotta see the whole series most of them really are like no I need it to succeed it's amazing at you watch the series you gotta watch the series and so for that I'm glad I watched the series and if you want to finally make peace with your Critical Role <laughs> fans boy oh boy is Legend of Fox <laughs> talking up for you you'll, fi- you'll finally have peace in your household <laughs> Yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, this really was a good time, but it it, it really it, it brings home how much PTSD we all have from being online. Where the yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah. I see yeah.
1: someone say, um, actually, you shouldn't criticize them because don't forget to love each other one more time. I will, um, I think throw my. Phone I think into people.
0: Fire. I think people don't understand though that like love isn't just letting people be assholes without explanation Mm. like love is very much like i love you enough to give you constructive criticism because i want to see you be a better person and like to me personally like that is that is super love like if my friends let me be like a wild and fucking mess i they're not good friends Right, Mm. Like, like you gotta watch out for your homies, okay? Like, I'm not gonna let people just be acting a fool, doing some fucking nonsense for no reason. Like, I love them enough to, like, make sure that they're respectable people.
2: (laughs) Right. Like, like,
1: genuinely, the way the Critical Role fandom grew is one of the reasons why I am uh, loath to give my Twitter handle out on other things. Because... Mm. Because it started out with a decent following, but a a smaller one, and it grew over time. Earlier on, they were a lot more open about just interacting with people. They used to, like, open gifts at the end of every stream before they ended up getting sent thousands of gifts a day. That's sweet. And so... That's part of why this like extreme parasocial connection these people have with this show is because the ones who have been with it since campaign one, the cast was a lot more accessible.
0: Well, I'm and gonna so absolutely. I'm <laughs>
1: pulled back over time, and so that's part of why the community is the way it is, and that's
0: why I'm sort of like, ah, I don't exist. <laughs> Like That's low key, really high key, like not to be like, oh my God, this is my research, but this is part of my research. But like at that point in time, like you're out of the parasocial. Like they're acknowledging your existence. That's just a relationship. So like yeah. people like trying to grow their relationships or like trying to start relationships by like doing all of this. Like parasocial needs to be one sided. Um, mm. Well, it's become if it, parasocial. Yes. And so that's that's the thing is that like if it's not one-sided anymore or like it wasn't you know if folks are like oh these people are i don't know where i'm going with this but like it it, oh how the turns of tabled is basically Mm. what i'm kind of getting at where like Mm. you've grown so big and it's not controllable anymore it's not feasible to have relationships with all your fans yep like that on that individual level anymore but it's something that everyone is craving um to have to be like oh no no big notice me senpai energy i'm getting which is which is why i think like a lot of fans are low-key at each other's throats because it's like only i can be seen in the eyes of matthew mercer and like (laughs) it's just not feasible babe like i'm sorry
2: the tragedy of having been so close to the sun and then knowing that you're falling and falling Oh, y'all, away, they're real Icarus. And the distance is there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I do you want know to, it's only going to get further, yeah.
1: I do want to, um, partially out of genuine love, partially out of appeasement, please don't hurt me. Um, <laughs> no, I think that, that as... Because it's so large, as loud and as toxic and as divisive as the fandom can be, you know, there are some some good parts of it mm-hmm. like um the beautiful like fan artwork that has come out of critical role yo mm. fan artists are
0: fucking insane
1: they're insane, it's they're true. beautiful, and I respect them, and I love them. Um, the dedication these people have. So I, uh, before we recorded this episode, made notes of basically the history of Critical Role and how The Legend of Box Machina came to be. And everything that I had in my brain was easily found except for one thing that took me two seconds like literally everything mm. is there every piece of information you could ever want to know about critical role is out there and well cataloged and easy to find crit role stats there's something wrong with you but also I love and respect you
2: <laughs> yeah every dice roll every episode it's all tracked it's it's pretty extreme but uh that's like legit a thing
1: yes oh yeah. my god Odd. it's they, they <laughs> have this little-
0: Oh! Like, Y'all, who has the oh the time, effort, and energy? The,
1: That's a lot. On their talkback show that they used to have. They used to be like, so this is how many twenties uh, were rolled this episode. This is how many ones were rolled this episode. We are now on this many hours of this thing. It, it, it the stats are fucking <sighs> teracta. Yeah. Uh.
2: And then a, a Talks Machina episode, I only am now considering, and again, I don't know if this will this will make this show, but it's interesting to talk about with you two, um, the fact that they had a kind of like Talking Dead post-show where for, for things like Walking Dead or like the post-Game of Thrones show, they'd have it be like an hour of like, okay, well, hey, you just watched an hour of really highly produced television with a creative team of like a thousand people and a budget of millions and millions and, you know, what went into this? What questions do you have to ask? And it would be the same like, hey, let's spend an hour or two talking with one of the the critical role cast members about like what decisions were you making during that three four hour span at the role playing table that day like and and that type of intense thought about like well what were my motivations what was I thinking how did my childhood play a part in this I think it like helped nurture the the extreme uh theorizing nature of the critical role fan base for like everything needed to have a deeper meaning and connection and how can I be acknowledged by my fellow critters in the subreddit with like this theme this post and the endless, endless, endless videos of like how every individual person reacted to one like moment in the show, and they'll have like eighty of those per episode of just like, oh, remember when this funny thing was said? Look, and then it's like, OMG, look at Liam's facial reaction. OMG, Tallison, I love him. Oh my god, all he's of the speculation like, stuff. To yeah,
1: God, the Ford is from the Moon theory. That was a fun one. <laughs> it's
2: incredible. Okay, okay, what were you saying, dude? I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> and, right like, like, the and with that and with that is the end <laughs> stage of of the crit brain disease is just blacking <laughs> out and accepting it it's yeah. letting it wash over you i think suddenly that, you finish the 12th episode of Fox Mark.
0: that's a million percent what happened to me <laughs>
2: It is at that point of the show where it's just about quitting time, and we are ready to offer our beautiful, bounteous guests, our brilliant guests, the ability to give some plugs. Let us know what projects you're working on, social media, where can people find you. Emily, I know you're a little more secretive. Do you want to go first?
1: Uh, sure. I'm less secretive and more just... Um, I had a tweet that went viral once, and then I underwent a two-day straight panic attack because, <laughs> oh no, people are perceiving me.
2: Um. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, if you really want to follow me on Twitter, on the last episode that I was on the Hunter Hunter one, I gave my Twitter there, so I'm go for it, I guess. Find it,
0: dude. I love,
2: I love the ARG that you've made with like the plugs. Like you're always, like, okay, follow the trail of breadcrumbs if you really want, it <laughs> work you really it. want to work for it.
1: If you really want to, but I'm not gonna actively. Uh, advertise myself to be um, doxxed. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Um, But uh, uh, go listen to Dice Age. Dice Age podcast Uh that all three of us are on. Yeah. um, uh, Go support the Starbucks Union.
2: Hell yeah. hell yeah yeah uh okay do, you, do you dare you give your 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 social handle what do you feel <laughs> well,
0: uh, well you already gave it in the beginning of the episode oh, so I like i don't need out. to fucking say shit man but like i could cut that shit do you no do you oh, want no to no that shit? no that's fine you keep that in there um i'm okay. Uh, find me at my aforementioned social media handle, um, where you can see me thirst tweet about Genshin Impact right now is my thing, and also crying about finishing my
2: masters. Hell yeah, brilliant. hell yeah! And K Kay, is fucking brilliant, so definitely, oh definitely ch- check out the, the, the Brain Palace <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, I'm glad
0: that someone thinks so.
1: Think Only so. as long as Pax has, and even I'm like, holy shit, Kay is so cool mm. and smart. Yeah. <laughs> like- yeah. No. Absolutely <laughs> yes. the fuck
0: not. Oh, I know yes. nothing.
1: So when are you inviting us back on for your high Q episode?
2: <gasps> oh when my god, please! It, Good, boy okay, okay. Good boy Olympics! Good
0: boy Olympics! Alright,
2: alright. Everyone in this episode. I wish I had a spray bottle. <laughs>
0: <house>. <laughs> I think all of the viewers need to comment, like, comment, sub-dive, and uh, <laughs> make sure that we get called back on for episodes about Naruto and Haikyuu Thank you.
1: Things we constantly derail Dice Age with.
2: Yes, <laughs> <Constantly> absolutely. <laughs> and you will not do the same to Brotakus. I'm saying this <laughs> fuck back. You monsters. <laughs> you monsters. You monsters. You couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't help yourself. This is you our piece. fucking show now, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> help, help. I'm going to go into the trunk. God. All right. Uh, anyway, again, tank stance activated. If you heard something that you didn't like today about your, your favorite fucking um, member me, of bitch. Critical Role... <laughs> At, <laughs> at me because i i made them say it i made them say it i'm a huge hater and i i, I may i had a whole list of insults anything negative this episode was my responsibility <laughs> hit me at pax Lily and i'll activate tank stance. <laughs> i'm getting enough of it these days anyway um but Kay, emily thank you both so much for coming on this really was a ton a ton a ton of fun and it's I hate to say it's a sensitive subject to talk about critical role. It kind of is. And I think you need the unique type of internet brain poison that all three of us have in order to dive into the topic. And so I'm truly blessed that you all uh, were able to come on. So thank you both so much.
0: Yeah, thank you. thank you for having us. Yeah.
2: Always a pleasure. And when you convince me to watch Haikyuu, we'll have you back on for Haikyuu. But for... <laughs> For everybody else, I see it in your eyes. I see like, it in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Brooklyn now. You got to find me. Okay. Everybody out there, thank you all okay, so no much for listening. <laughs> If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or review us on your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a comment or a like on YouTube. And if you really, really, really want to help the show, the greatest thing you could do is show it to someone who you think would like it. It really does make a difference, and we appreciate the support. And with that said, thank you fight. so much to Emily and Kay. on PAX, and this is Bro Tacos. We'll see you all next week. Bye, y'all. A troop so qualified. There's Grog a mighty giant He's a simple-minded hulk And Percy's pepper box Can blow apart your fucking skull Nature hath no fury Quite like Keyleth the Ashari Controlling plants and animals She's a magical safari The twins vex and vax She shoots He hides in the pitch They're stealthy and quite deadly But I forget which one is which He's vax
0: She's